Hello there guys and welcome to the first episode of Genuine Chit Chat for 2021. I hope 2020 ended fairly pleasantly for all of you and you've had a good start to 2021. And to kick things off, I'm with my guest, Russ Tribe. Now, Russ Tribe is a fellow zombie horror movie uh, enthusiast, but the reason I had him on my show specifically is because he is in the midst of creating an independent zombie movie called Day 66, that both myself and Megan were lucky enough to be extras in, so whenever that film comes out, you'll be able to see myself as a zombie, so that's a lot of fun. Just a couple of quick bullet points before we get started. Um, so the whole conversation does center around the zombie movie itself, but we also do speak about favorite zombie films, the difference in UK and US zombie movies, how it was to write, direct, and act in the movie, because Ross did all three of those things. And then we also, towards the end, we talk about just some general movies and TV series and things as well. So really, really cool for any horror or film fans. It's a really interesting thing to just listen to how these sorts of films are made, especially when you don't have a massive studio budget. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. Links to everything are in the show notes, including the website, the trailer, Beacon Productions, social media, Discord, all that sort of jazz. Um, but just before the chat gets started, there's going to be a quick promo for the What the Smut podcast, and then the chat will get started. Once my chat with Russ finishes, I'll be back at the end to give you guys some insight of what you can expect from 2021, a few other bits and pieces about what I'm up to, guest spots, etc., and also information about my other podcast, Star Wars Comics in Canon. So be sure to stick around for that, and obviously make sure you give Russ and the whole Day 66 crew a lot of love on social media, because I'm sure he'd appreciate that. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the chat, and I'll talk to you at the end. This is What the Spot, a podcast where we read and talk about paranormal erotica novels. I think you mean paranormal romance novels? How about some of both? So you don't have to. Hey guys, um, I think we should do a paranormal erotica podcast. I guess so. I, I know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Why smut? Well, for me, paranormal erotica allows us to examine things like power and sexuality, but sort of outside of our current societal norms. And it allows me to kind of explore the way I personally feel and reflect on my own sexuality whilst reading these kinds of books. That was a good description. And because of sex toys. We rate these books based on our own personal tastes. And then we sum up the book with five words. You can find us online on Facebook and Instagram at What the Smutcast and anywhere you listen to your podcast. Let's wrap this up, people. Who brought the condoms? I think we're going to need a magnum. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. So, I am here today with Russ Tribe. You are a filmmaker and a fellow zombie enthusiast. So, you know, why don't you introduce yourself to, to the people? What is it that you generally do uh, specifically to land you on the podcast? Yeah, well, thanks, uh, first of all, for having me along, Mike. Um, really appreciate uh, your time. Um, and it's it's great to be here. Um, I have a passion for all things movies. Um, I've been a member of a local club to the Southampton area called Beacon Productions for around, oh, I should think probably around 19, 20 years now. Um, we are a, a non-for-profit club and we make um, short TV programs and films and things for um, local television um channels such as Southampton and Portsmouth TV when they were in existence 
Um, and uh, more recently, a lot of our content goes onto YouTube. Um, one of my bucket list wishes was to make a film, and I am a massive fan of the horror genre, and uh, not necessarily zombies in particular, but zombies were the idea that I formed in my head, and I, I decided I wanted to go down that path. Um, and I spoke to Steve Lorne, who um, is the head of Beacon Productions, um, and I, I asked him if he'd be willing to um, sort of work with me on this venture. Um, and Steve thought it was a great idea and um, was was willing to support it. So um, he helped me sort of realise my, my vision and, and get it all filmed. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, I'm sure a lot of people have got some sort of vague semblance of an idea of either a film they want to make or a series or that sort of thing. But it is another thing entirely to actually jump off and actually make it specifically. So was was there something specific that made you start the film? Well, let's rein it back a little bit. When did you when did you first think? Okay, obviously it was on your bucket list and stuff. But when did you think? Right now, I'm going to make a zombie movie. And then from that point, like. How long did it take you to write it and kind of start putting things together? Because I know production's been a, a couple of years as well. So if you just want to say when you kind of first thought of the idea and the journey up to this point. Yeah, certainly. Well, I, I wrote it in 2017, um, probably the latter half of. Um, I genuinely can't remember how long it took me to write it, but I envisaged it being a movie without any dialogue in it at first and driven purely by a soundtrack. But as I developed the script, I decided not to go down that path. Um, it is largely dialogue free, but without sort of spoiling anything, there's kind of like a, a, a 20 minute segment near the start that, that has pure dialogue in it. And the bits with just Jack in the countryside sort of surviving is largely dialogue free. Um, there's quite a lot of ad lib here and there. So it was kind of tricky, actually, as I was writing it to determine how long a film it would be, because usually I think they say a side of A4 is typically around a minute of screen time. But that's when, of course, the side of A4 is full of dialogue. When it's full of character direction and things like that, it's hard to sort of determine how long a piece it would be. And and actually, it's it's come out a lot longer than I'd anticipated, but actually that's 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 quite a nice thing because it's a, a good feature length film now that's awesome and so with this um how much can you tell us about the plot without spoiling it or anything like that and i'll as i said i'll um i'll say in the intro and outro as well but i'll have the uh, link to the trailer which i i watched the trailer before christmas and then there's the extended trailer that me and megan watched today and it looks genuinely brilliant so i'll make sure i'll make sure people go and check that out but if you want to give like a vague synopsis of your sort of the plot i'd guess what you can tell us yeah certainly so it focuses on the uh character called jack um, who is mourning the loss of his family. He has retreated to the countryside as a result of, um, well, the zombie apocalypse. And um, he obviously thinks it's a lot safer in the countryside. And it follows his journey as he sort of comes to realise, actually, is life worth living when I am the last human left alive? So he's sort of battling with, him, with himself, trying to work out whether to carry on or not. So it sounds very bleak, doesn't it? But um, I have to admit, I've, I've seen—I haven't seen it in its entirety yet because it's obviously quite disjointed. We've got a first half and a second half; they, they've yet to be joined together. 
But I've obviously got a very good feel for the film at the moment. I've seen both paths several times now, um, and I can't wait to see it in in, in one go. Um, I'm very excited about this, very proud of it. I think everyone that's worked on it has done a, a cracking job. Mm, yeah, so to kind of uh, shoehorn, self-promote, yay. I Obviously myself and uh, Megan, we were extras in this, in, in one specific scene in um, in Day 66, which is really, really cool. And thank you for allowing us to come along to that. And just from seeing what we saw there and seeing uh, not only the makeup artists that you had sort of applying a lot of the makeup, but a lot of the ideas you had and things just from that couple of hours that I kind of have witnessed. Because, I mean, I'm no expert, but I, I used to make music videos for bands um, and things before this and before that I did YouTube so I have a a vague idea on that sort of stuff as well as being a movie buff and from what I could see you you doing a lot of the ideas you had were great but also the other individuals you you had chosen to uh to help you bring this vision to fruition I think a lot of them are really really talented as well so I think them all coming together it's going to make a really really good product yeah I hope so um we we started filming in April 2018 and I really wasn't very well prepared to be quite honest with you we our first filming day was um sort of away in in the in the forest and it was a very wet filming day the, the weather forecast had been a bit iffy but i was confident we were going to have a fairly good day far from it it was appalling torrential rain um it stopped started so you know we, we were able to to get some some good footage done when it was dry but it was wet a lot more than it was dry, I'll tell you that now. And we had cameras, lenses steaming up and all sorts. Um, I hadn't done a shot list. I was kind of just blagging it straight from the script. Um, I'm much a bit, Towards the end of the um, production, I became much more organised, as you can imagine, um, particularly the day that you witnessed. I had a shot list. And that day in particular, there were so many people there. I had to be well organised, otherwise it would have just fallen apart. And I just wasted everyone's time. So the pressure was on that day. But I'm sure we'll, we'll come to that day in a bit more detail in a bit. Um, but I would say probably around, I think it was May 2018. I can't really remember what gave me the idea to do it. But I wrote to the Daily Echo and I said, look, you know, I'm an amateur filmmaker. This is the production we're currently making. And they gave me a call back and they were really interested in running a story about this. And, and that surprised me. But they they did just that. They interviewed me. They ran a story. And um, you would not believe the amount of emails I received from people, like yourself, of course, wanting to get involved in being a, a zombie extra. I think I had a, around 400 plus emails um, as a result of that Daily Echo article. Um, I had people offering me the use of their yacht. I had people saying they have American police cars. Would I like to borrow them for the production? I had um, people say, look, I, I've got a catering van. I'll be willing to, to bring that along. Or, or people just saying, look, I've got a van. If you need kit transported around, I'll help you out. There's so many people wanting to get involved. Um, and none of the ones I've mentioned that I ended up using. But I had loads and loads of makeup artists contact me. And I, I wasn't expecting that at all because... The plea in the Daily Echo article was for zombie extras, but the, the makeup artist was something I hadn't really considered. Beacon Productions have done their own makeup in-house before. None of us are experts. None of us, as far as I'm aware, are makeup artists, and it's something that we, we kind of just blag with the kit that we've got. But the fact that there were people, mostly students, wanting the experience 
willing to give up their time for free, come along and you know, work with us on this project was fantastic. And it was really nice to actually be able to give them those opportunities to, to do just that. Okay, it's an amateur film, but everyone's got to start somewhere. Their names are going on this production. They've done a fantastic job, and I think it's going to be great exposure for them. So it was lovely for me to watch people like that get something from it as well. It really became like a, a community project. Mm. Yeah, and it's quite ironic in the sense of where you make a film which is very isolationist and it's about, you know, sort of one guy against the world, yet in the production of making so, it has the opposite effect of having sort of the community and the people coming into it, which must as you obviously have been saying, it's it's really nice when you have those sort of things where you kind of almost out a flare and so can anyone just give me a hand with this? And then you just get inundated with people wanting to assist you. It, that's really, really cool. Yeah, that's that's right. And um I think Steve in particular from Beacon was was concerned about the timing of my newspaper article, if you like, because um, production was slow and he was worried that we'd lose interest from all these people that had contacted offering their services. And, and I have to admit, I was a bit concerned about that myself, but I was quite keen on sort of maintaining that visual presence on our social medias to keep people updated with the the production how we were getting on give them some behind the scenes shots just to let them know that we haven't forgotten about you but this is this is the state of things at the moment and and it was june 2019 our last filming day where you came along 15th of june 19 uh where we did that big zombie horde scene and everything that we'd done previous kind of led up to that point that is not the last scene in the film but it was by far the most complex one for for organising and, and actually getting shot. And I I think I was expecting around 100 zombie extras that day. I think we had just over 50. Um, but looking at it all on camera, I, I'm still really, really pleased with with the amount that, that turned up and, and how it looks on camera. I, I think you should always expect a certain high amount of no-shows to anything. And, and the fact that we had some last-minute parking arrangement changes and and the weather was looking a bit dodgy, no doubt put a lot of people off, I should imagine. Mm. Yeah, it, it was a, it was an odd day because it was, fortunately, from what I recall, you got pretty much everything you needed. It was only towards the end of the day it was kind of on-off rain and it was a bit touch-and-go in, in certain ways. But from what I recall, you got relatively everything you sort of wanted to get and some of the shots i won't spoil it for anyone and i haven't said it in any of my other podcasts but some of the shots you did on it were excellent and they're just they're really really cool so i, I want to ask um take a mild tangent here um regarding zombie films and horror films in general what are some of the your either if there are any influences for this film or is it more so just any zombie and horror films you specifically love that you want to mention well, I think I was 10 years old and one of the first horror films that I ever watched, and indeed it's got to have been the first zombie film I ever watched, was the original Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Um, well, indeed, they hadn't even remade it by that point. And I remember staying around the mates for a sleepover one Halloween and we watched that. And it was an 18, as you know, and, and that, <laughs> that was amazing as well. I was like, wow, I'm 10 years old I'm watching this 18. My my eight year old son doesn't know how lucky he is with what I show him. I tell you, but um, <laughs> the, the the Dawn of the Dead absolutely amazed me. I was terrified. I thought it was fantastic, and that's really stuck with me. As much as I like films like Twenty Eight Days Later, and and yes, he he has seen that one. 
I am a massive fan of uh, slow, staggering zombies. Uh, I don't really go in for the running ones personally. Mm-hmm. And I know we could debate all day long as to whether the ones in 28 Days Later are actually zombies or not. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say they are, but uh, that's an argument for another day. Um, one that I, I I'm not confident I'd win either. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that film's really stuck with me, and I would I would say that that one has probably influenced me quite heavily. Um, although it's not a an outright horror. Um, Shaun of the Dead is is another classic that I thoroughly enjoy, and uh, yeah, that 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 one has has always sort of stuck with me as well because I think it's quite inventive. You know, the whole um, throwing records at zombies and using cricket bat and all these types of things. You know, it sort of opens your mind a little bit in terms of what fun you could have in in your film as well. And it's no secret. You've seen it in the trailer. There's a baseball bat with nails sticking out of it and all sorts, you know. So, And you mentioned some uh, some awesome shots that we took as well. Um, again, you know, it won't spoil anything because it's, it's going to be obvious from, from seeing the, the latest trailer. But we were lucky enough to have a drone along on that filming day back in June 2019. And um, we got some fantastic shots using that of, of the zombie horde from the air and some sweeping shots. So, yeah, I'm really excited to to see those and, and to show everyone those as well. Mm, yeah, because the, the films you mentioned, funnily enough, I would say the three best, or for different reasons, the three best zombie films in my eyes are probably 28 Days Later, Shaun of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Now, I've seen the original Dawn of the Dead and the remake, and I like that... I like them both probably equally. I, I saw the remake first and I was like, I'll go back. I'll watch the older one. I probably won't like it that much. And you watch it and apart from the, the, the makeup being a bit off, everything else about it is brilliant. And it's just, so I don't actually know which of the two I prefer, but I just think that obviously the original Dawn of the Dead and a lot of George A. Romero stuff basically spring-loaded the sort of the, the mainstream liking zombies and stuff a lot more. And then... There was a sort of zombie renaissance sort of early 2000s, which I think Shaun of the Dead has a big part in sort of spring loading as well as 28 Days Later and a few other things. I think 28 Days Later, although that's not my favourite film, and yeah, the whole, I'm not as much of a fan of the fast zombies. I do find that 28 Days Later, especially the first half of the film, maybe just the first 10 minutes, has some of the best cinematography of any film I've probably ever seen. You know, the first scene where he's walking through London and there's no one about, that is just... Shutting off London early oh, morning, yeah. Incredible. It's, classic, it's just, yeah. there's, there's almost no other films you can see that do that because trying to get any part of London closed and having a shot like that is just... And obviously the music's a big part. And I think Shaun of the Dead, is, as you kind of say, Shaun of the Dead is the funny, the originality, the different things, and it shows it can have a bit of fun. Dawn of the Dead is like the original, and then 20 Days Later is kind of like the re- reimagining almost of, of sort of zombies in that way so it's, it's interesting you chose those three and sort of linking to that as well is something i want to tackle which is the us and the uk's versions of zombie films and a good comparison i give would be Shaun of the dead and Zombieland because they're both generally the same themed films it's just that one is very american and one's very british and in that sort of realm obviously americans have guns and generally speaking people in the uk don't and that's quite, I think, a big part of it. But with you as a as a filmmaker and things, did you find yourself, were there things you were restricted that you couldn't do because you're in the UK? Or did you kind of, when you went into making it, you were thinking, this is going to be a UK zombie film and therefore I'm going through this route with it? Yeah, it's interesting you should say that actually because writing a film, 
obviously it's very easy to kind of lose track as to where it's set and so oh, yeah he's gonna have a gun and all this type of stuff but actually yeah you've got to keep it i, I it sounds interesting doesn't it weird calling it realistic because this is a zombie <laughs> film how realistic are zombies um but you know realistic to the setting shall i say so yeah we we don't have easy access to guns in this country uh there is i think a gun in the film but uh you know i i think it allows you to be a little bit more inventive with how you dispatch your zombies doesn't it um is it is it fun just watching every single zombie in the film get shot in the head mm, a shotgun to the head watching the zombie's head explode that might be pretty cool but seeing every zombie die in that fashion, it's going to get a little bit dull and boring after a while. So it allows you to think outside the box a little bit uh, and work out lots of different ways to dispatch the zombies. And and that in particular is something that I had a little bit of fun with whilst writing it. And um, it probably would be spoilers to talk about any of those. Um, I've been very careful with what I've shown in the two trailers. Um, the, the the shorter of the two trailers, the, the one we released um, back at the end of, I can't remember when it was now, was it the end of October, November time? Yeah, it was about that sort of time, yeah. About that time, wasn't it? Um, I don't believe we had any zombies at all in it, apart from right at the end where you saw them start to come over the brow of the hill. Um, we gave you a, much more of a taste of the zombies in the second half of the extended trailer. Um, but again, still, I didn't want to show any sort of any zombie kills if you like massive spoiler territory there so you have to wait and see the, the final film to work out how jack tackles the zombies but i i can assure you you won't be disappointed mm, yeah from what i saw of, of both the trailers and also on that day I'm, I'm very excited by it and it's as you say one of the reasons that i love Shaun of the dead like i love both zombie land and Shaun of the dead for different reasons but like in america if a zombie apocalypse happened once the sort of wave of insanity is gone as long as you have access to guns you're generally all right and most american films with the zombies the zombies aren't that scary necessarily unless they're in a massive horde because you've got guns whereas in england as sean the dead shows you if there's like five of them you don't it's kind of hard to even to you don't have a gun you just have to maybe spin in a circle with a baseball bat or cricket bat and things so it is one of those things where i I've heard a director say, I think it was the guy who made Revenant, I think, talking with Tarantino, and they were basically saying how when you film in extreme conditions or if you uh, if something maybe goes wrong in filming and it maybe doesn't go the way you want it, sometimes that can actually open the door to an even better idea than you originally had because you have to try and innovate and do things. And I imagine with it being sort of, you know, an indie indie film and also, you know, you haven't got a studio budget from Warner Brothers for two million. I'm sure that would be lovely. But because of that, you have to work out, as you say, you write a script and then you know, it would be really cool to have, you know, a giant monster truck flinging over a huge ramp and mowing down 4,000 zombies, but that isn't a feasible thing. So I imagine that mixture between the budget, your own sort of uh, team, as it were, as well as your own mind, having to write in that sort of way with those constraints, it probably allowed you to do some of the more interesting shots you had and the more interesting ideas. It probably allowed them to flourish quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, going back to the whole no guns, um, it allows you to get up close and personal with the zombies. And, mm. um, you know, you are a, a baseball bat or a hammer distance away from them, as opposed to, you know, you could be blooming a half a field away from someone, depending on what type of gun you've got and how mm. good a shot you are, of course. Makes it more scary as well. It, it does. Yeah. There's a tighter setting. 
much more danger. So yeah, I, I, th- I think that can have a, a lot of benefits. Um, with regards to the makeup, of course, you know, um, I as I wrote it, I I guess I was kind of hoping we'd, we'd we'd just find a way. I, I didn't really think about it too much, but because we had these makeup artists um, volunteer for the project we were able to achieve some some real sort of great gory injury detail particularly on that day that you came along to us um having said that i I still managed to find uh quite a lot of stuff to do myself um i have no background in uh makeup at all um no background in practical effects this project forced me to kind of just play around a little bit and, and and see what i could come up with and again, I'm not really going to sort of go into much detail because it would be spoiler territory. But I had a lot of fun, and let's just say it involved a, a, a lot of lot of blood. Um, I, I still have quite a lot of fake blood in my garage right now, uh, <laughs> left over from that day. That's amazing. And what was it like um, being? Obviously, you wrote it, and you also you basically this is your baby essentially. Is you, you did although the collaborations from a lot of other people have assisted you, you wrote, star, and directed it. How? How is it to, because obviously writing and directing thing is one thing and acting is another thing. So how was it to kind of juggle those three at the same time? Yeah, well, uh, I guess the writing, you kind of get that out of the way first, don't you? And depending on the the project, you you might want to make some changes as you go on. But generally, the writing's kind of done and dusted. So it's the acting and directing that is is the real challenge. And it it was difficult, I'm not going to lie. Um... A lot of our filming days were just a few hours here, a few hours there, when me and whoever was along for the the film crew on any given shoot could manage, because we've all got full-time jobs. This is a a hobby, essentially, and, um, you know, no one's getting paid to be there. So, And and that's why, indeed, the production has taken so long, and and indeed why the editing's still going on now, because, you know, everyone has priority commitments. Uh, Everyone has... Uh, their lives to live and and this is this is kind of like a a little extra if you like so yeah it was a challenge and and actually um there is a a short film that i've written whilst this day 66 is being edited it's a short film to do with um it's called cuckoo actually and it's about uh, the cuckooing of an address have you heard that term before it's where it's where um uh drug dealers take over an address typically of a vulnerable person so either an addict or someone with mental health problems that type of thing they take over the address and use it as their base for their dealing activities and i i I gather uh, that the phrase cuckooing comes from a cuckoo and cuckoos take over other bird's nests i believe that's where the phrase Mm. comes from so there's a short film that i'm working on for that and i have absolutely no intention of acting in that certainly not as a lead character i dare say i may have a little cameo that's director's prerogative isn't it but um i'm going to make this one a lot easier for myself yeah because it's like i've I, I have not done any proper acting or anything like that i've done when i've made music videos before i, I did one and i was air quotes the star uh, in that and it is it's a hard thing to juggle. It's, it's quite a strange thing because when, when it comes to, and I've, I've done a very small amount of voice acting as well, but that, that's in its own sort of realm in some ways. But it is one of those strange things because if if there's a person acting and you're the director, you can kind of tell them what you want. But then when you're the actor, someone's holding the camera, 
and you have got what it is in your mind. I find it, it was, at least when I did this sort of thing with the music video, I was like, I want it to be uh, trying to translate what I had in my head specifically to the person with the camera and everything else. I found it was quite hard. And sometimes, you know, you do a shot and you have it look in a certain way in your mind. And then you look it over and it doesn't look quite as you thought. And sometimes you can get kind of stuck. And I want to ask if, were there any um, almost pitfalls? Because I know people who make music, for example, they make a track, they fin- they near enough finish it, and then they spend weeks and weeks just tweaking it over and over and over again until they mess it up. I-, mm. I wondered if you having that amount of creative control, if there was any part where you kind of had a little pitfall, any ideas you just kind of had to kind of give up in a sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Certainly as I planned each shoot, um, well, look, we've already talked about at the start of the production, I wasn't very well prepared. But when I started making my shot lists, I became a lot more organised. And so on filming days, I had a really good idea of, of what I wanted to do. And the shot lists, I tell you, are really useful. They, they really come into their own for action scenes where you, you've, you, you know, um, you've got a lot going on because in order to, you know, make a, a, an action scene quite hectic, if you like, you need a lot of shots thrown in there. So it's just little details like that that you don't necessarily think about when you're not actually making a film. Um, And actually, I I think towards the start of production, where I wasn't doing my shot lists, there's an awful lot of longer shots because I wasn't planning them and I wasn't thinking about all these little bits that I I could do to make make it a little bit more interesting. Um, But the good news about the film is that we didn't shoot it in order. So it's all mixed up. And uh, the viewer will just think that's a, a natural choice of mine until they listen to this podcast, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's been a learning experience for me as well. Um, certainly there were things that I planned that we couldn't do. And it may have simply been a question of the camera operator saying, oh, hang on a minute, we can't shoot something from that angle because we've just shot the rest of that scene from that angle and it would look weird um so i was being guided a lot of the time by the expertise of our camera operators and uh yeah so it, it i was i was learning an awful lot from the production and i think that was standing in good stead for the next thing the cuckoo that i'm 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 still in the process of writing at the moment yeah, well, when you eventually get the hat sort of, once once day 66 has been sort of finished and released and all that sort of jazz, then you can come on the show again and then you could talk about, um, talk about Cuckoo and things. And sort of in that same realm, prior to this, you said that you've been a, a, a member of um, the Beacon, is it Beacon Productions? Yes. Yeah, you've been a part of that for near 20 years. Have you done many other things uh, creatively like this project or has it been more of sort of a little tiny involvement? or what's your sort of uh, history in both Beacon Productions and creating stuff like this? Well, on the social side of the club, I've been quite involved for the whole time. Um, but in the creative side, I was certainly a lot more involved in my early days there. And that's largely due to, you know, work pressures and, and, and commitments and things like that. So I did some directing of some episodes of The Adventures of Stephen Brown. You can find lots of them on um, YouTube, Beacon Productions' YouTube page. Um, It is essentially a Doctor Who-style programme. That's probably the easiest way of describing that. Mm. Um, And they're well worth checking out. Very cheesy, but um, I think you'll probably quite enjoy what the club's managed to do with the limited budget. 
it, particularly with regards to some of the special effects. You know, um, they're clearly low budget special effects, but they're great for what they are. You know, and um, directing a couple of episodes of that was was great fun. Steve uh, has a studio at the bottom of his garden at the moment, and that is essentially the Beacon Productions headquarters, if you like. Prior to living where he 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 did live, he used his i'm trying to think of the order of houses that he's lived at in in that 20 years he li- he did the productions in his garage at the house before that and at his s- sort of studio flat before that it was just in the living room essentially mm. um so yeah it's interesting how things have um sort of gone on as, as time has um but uh I've, I've kind of lost track of what the question was now i'm afraid <laughs> That's fine. It was. It was. What have you been doing? What have you done prior to this? So you mentioned. Um, was it the Adventures of Stephen oh, Brown? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, the Adventures of Stephen Brown. Um, I I did do some acting as well, and I use acting in a very loose term. Um, I'm I, I I am not a professional actor, most certainly not. Um, and I think that shows in some of my earlier work for Beacon Productions. Uh, there's a very dodgy French accent that um, I put on in, in one of the episodes that can be found. Uh, luckily, I can't remember the name of that episode, so um, you'll have to watch hundreds of episodes to try and track that one down. Um, I'm not going to make it too easy for you to embarrass me. Um, and there's a kind of like a, a soap, if you like, called Strawberry Fields. And there's a spin-off of that, which focuses on one of the families from that program called the Parsons. Um, and they're, they're programs that were done by Beacon as well. And I believe they're all uploaded onto the um, Beacon Productions YouTube channel as well. So you'll have mm, to check those out. Um, and they've done some other productions. Um, they have a, a Beacon banter, which is, as you can imagine, it's kind of like a chat show and they get Beacon people on on the show and talk about the productions that they've done the participation that they've um given um and it's a it's a lot of fun um, there's a social side to the club as well so they run annual pool and snooker tournaments um which you pay some money into to basically raise money for productions and things like that and yeah all the money generated goes back into uh, the club activities so it's a, it's a great little thing to be involved in and it allows people to sort of dip in and out as much as they want. Yeah, it's one of those things with what a lot of people underestimate is whenever there's content creation, it, there's so many other things that go along with it. It's one of the reasons I really like talking to uh, creative individuals who are creating things out of passion because you make things work. But it's like, you know, podcasting, it's fairly cheap to do a podcast in general. There's lots of apps you can use that are free and stuff now. But for me, it costs like... 10 or 12 quid a month for hosting of the websites and all that other jazz and then you know i've got the microphone and a few other bits and pieces but my all my equipment's quite cheap but that is kind of with podcasting is it's quite cheap so it's just kind of a one-off but then when i speak to people who are in filmmaking or are in uh anything to do with music and stuff like that there are so many things that people just don't realize it i mean with podcasting it's basically recording editing social media releasing that's generally how it goes but with the more complicated the media becomes, the more layers of complication there is. And with making a film, people think, oh, if you make a film that's, say, an hour long, oh, that would take a few days. It's like, no, no, it'd take a few days to even consider writing it, let alone the editing and all these other things. So it's like, I really sympathise not only with yourself, but also with Beacon Productions of 
there are so many things that go into creating media content that people just don't fully understand or comprehend. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a very good point you make. Um, we have, and, and it's great that they do because it shows they're desperate to see the film, which is lovely to hear. But I get quite a lot of messages um, on a regular basis from, from people following Day 66 saying, when is this film going to be released? You know, when is it going to be ready? Um, well, I don't have an answer for that. I'm very confident that it's going to be 2021 now by the progress we've made on editing. I'd like to be able to say to people, oh, it's going to be the first half of this year. But I am a, a firm believer in not making promises. I simply can't keep. These things are beyond my control. The film is currently being edited at the moment. We've done the vast majority of that. There's some tidying up that needs doing. My good friend Matt Hasker is doing the music for the film. Um, he's always wanted to do a soundtrack for a, for a movie. Um, so he was delighted to get the opportunity to, to do just that. But again, he has a full-time job that needs to take priority. That's, that's where his income comes. Uh, it would be totally unreasonable to expect someone to just put aside all that just, just for the sake of my amateur film. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's great. We've got all these dedicated individuals, but it's a question of them just finding some time at home in their busy lives to crack on and do it. Uh, and that has been the main reason for the delay. Um, and I never lose sight of the fact that actually, yes, I'm kind of at these people's will, but I'm just grateful for the time that they, they are able to give to it. You know, I'm certainly never going to be rushing them along. It will be ready when it's ready, but it's a question of just keeping people's expectations in line uh, via our social medias and, and keep them engaged uh, and um, make sure they don't forget about the production, basically. That's my job. And actually, the social media has grown quite nicely. I, th I forget how many we've got followed on Twitter at the moment. I think it's just shy of 800 people, which I, I think is pretty good. We've got slightly less on, on the other social medias, but I don't really sort of plug those quite as much. Um, the YouTube channel is doing quite well in terms of um, viewers of, of the latest trailers, particularly. Um, it, it shows that, that people really are interested in the film um, and are desperate to see it. And I love when people retweet or share the trailer because it, it just gets it seen by even more people. You know, my dream would be to see the, the latest trailer go viral or something like that. But um, I'm afraid in order for that to happen, I, I think you've just got to get lucky and... and uh, get get a celebrity uh, with a, a large uh, fan base themselves um, watching it and uh, and doing me a favour by doing a retweet, but I can't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I'll be sure to uh, share the trailer and things as well on on social media. I've been um, meaning to do that as well. And then when obviously the film is out, I'll do a big uh, thing about that too. And obviously this whole show is is kind of trying to plug that as well. But I think well, about I will sort of reciprocate, thing. Mike guarantee oh, that <laughs> wonderful well thank you so much i really appreciate that it's, it's collaboration is one of the big things it's just like with with independent projects either podcasting music films or otherwise it's all about collaboration and obviously what you've been saying about the individuals that have been helping you along the way the makeup artists the extras etc like that that is a part of it as well but it's collaboration across the board and it does it's one of those things where i often kind of think like i I have a following with um, this podcast on social media and etc. And I'm, I'm very happy with my audience, very thankful. But it's one of those things where you kind of think of it and you go, oh, if one famous person with, you know, 60 million followers just retweeted one thing of mine, it could potentially mm. change my entire life. And it's just yeah. like, 
can't really you can't really hope for that it's one of those things where i i I always hope for it because i'm a sucker but it's like come on someone famous just see it and help (laughs) help push it so i'll I'll help with your dream of going pushing that viral i'll retweet in things and obviously i want as many people to see this as possible because it is I, I love zombie films, I love horror films, and I love independent people who are passionate about things and are creating things because they want to through whatever difficulties they come through and whatever. They're creating it because that's what they want to create, not because you've got a Warner Brothers deal of, you know, several million and they're saying, look, you need to make a zombie film. And so I was like, all right, I'll make one. It's like you actively want to make one regardless of the hurdles, which is really nice to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And and whilst you mentioned sort of budgets and things, I I, I haven't totaled up the, the budget in a while. And so, you know, I'm only sort of guessing, but I, I would estimate I've spent probably around one and a half thousand pounds on, on the film, um, which, you know, is quite a lot of money to, to raise yourself. Um, but obviously it's been over a period of time as well now, hasn't it? And um, the vast majority of that, would have been spent on that um, 15th of June 2019. There's all these sorts of things that you don't think about, aren't there? Um, You know, we had, as I've said, I think it was 50-something zombies along that day. We had a school of makeup artists come down on a coach from London. We had another bunch of um, makeup students come from, I think it was... Um, a university in Southampton. We had some independent makeup artists that had already been part of the film who, who once again gave up their time and came along to this one. I think this is this is this was the one that they were really looking forward to, so they were never going to miss out on that one. You know, bearing in mind the number of people that I had along, I had to provide toilet facilities. Um, so, you know, I, I had to get some uh, portaloos along. Uh, all these things add up. You know, you, what happens if someone twists their ankle in the middle of the field? Um, I don't want to get sued. So you've got to get insurance. So I had insurance for that filming day. Um, and i tell you, that wasn't cheap. <laughs> no, I work um, in that realm and I unfortunately know of many of the sort of costs that go yeah, on with that. Well, it'll be a one-off event insurance. So I'm sure you can imagine the sort of cost involved in, in that type of thing. You know, and it was little considerations like as as much fun as it would have been to have been waving around the samurai sword um, in the middle of that field, which was in the original script. When you plan the film, you realise, well, actually, I don't want to risk slicing these people in half for real. Um, (laughs) So, which I don't think is unreasonable, really, is it? You know, they're giving up their time for free. They they don't want to be cut in half. Um, So I I bought a, a plastic sort of dummy hammer that I was running around with. Well, Actually, this plastic dummy hammer, yeah, it's plastic, but it, it was still pretty weighty, and, and I certainly wouldn't want to get hit over the head with it. So it's <laughs> just little things like that you've got to bear in mind as, you, you know, as you're making a film. Um, I'm pleased to announce that no one was injured. Um, it was quite well organised, and uh, you know, we, we checked with everyone as they left, and everyone was, was, was fine, had a good, good experience apart from the, the downfall. Mm. Um, but the weather was beyond my control. But, uh, yes, it's all these things that you don't think about as you're writing a film that actually when you you make it, you you realise, oh, my God, how am I going to achieve this? You know, and sometimes the sad fact is you've got to throw a little bit of money at it. But at the end of the day, it's either that or give up the dream of getting a film made. And um, as much as it frustrated the wife, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I, I had to get this thing finished. 
Yeah, I, I know that sort of feel. Meg, unfortunately, is, is very supportive of uh, my podcasting stuff. And I, I'm sure your wife is too, but it is that sort of thing. Sometimes they're like, you're doing it again. You're spending several hours this weekend doing your passion project thing. It's like, it's fine, you can do that. But I thought we'd have some time to ourselves. It's like, I, it's like there's that two minds, isn't there? Where it's like, okay, there's the work mind where I have to, you know, make money and all that sort of other jazz. But there's also the, the sort of, the other part of you that's like, I just want to be able to do whatever the hell I want all the time. I want to go off and make a movie and do a podcast. I want to come back and watch TV and not have to worry about... But unfortunately, for most of us, we do have to have a balance. And that's one of the things that I think... I think a lot of the time that makes a lot of independent uh, creations even better in a lot of ways because not only do you have more hurdles to jump over but also I find that with podcasting at least there's a few podcasts I do really like and I'll say Joe Rogan as one is the the sort of the, one of the biggest in the world it's great listening to him talk to certain people but when he talks to other people you're just like you're a multi 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 millionaire you you there's you don't have that same connection to the sort of the ground level people as much and I with certain content creators either be it music movies or anything else sometimes you go their version of what normality is isn't actually normality it's actually a weird skewed rich version of it you know there's a, there's a quite a few so many christmas films and things like that where you watch you go this is quite cool and then you go everyone in this is minted the how to be able to afford yeah. all these things is ridiculous but i think that when one does have to struggle to get their creation out and often you know it does have to work a job and all these sort of other things it, it grounds them and it means that you know, when you're at work or when I'm at work or anything like that, I'm sure there are times where it could be something completely benign and random and nothing to do with the creative projects you've got in your plate, but you just have like a thought and you go, I wonder if I'd ever thought of that if I wasn't doing this sort of boring aspect of my job, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's It's been quite an experience, I tell you. And um, that's, that's one of the reasons that for my my next project cuckoo which again is is with beacon productions i have decided to just keep this one a short film it's going to be easier to edit in house as well that was one of the the issues with with the length of day 66 was that nobody within beacon productions wanted to to really volunteer to edit it in its entirety so the original plan was going to be to give people segments now there's always the danger of course that it won't be as fluid um one editor's vision will differ to another's and it might seem a bit disjointed luckily we we had a, a chap who volunteered to take the editing on um sadly he had some massive te technology issues with it during his editing experience of day 66 um, and it became really frustrating for him i think he lost an awful lot of data had severe laptop issues and that combined with you know the stresses of, of normal life meant that he had to pass the torch i totally understood that a lot of his work is still in the final film but we're kind of bringing some of it just in line with the the work that the uh, the current editor Ben has has done on the production. So, yeah, I've I've kept the the next project a lot more manageable. I'm sure my wife will appreciate that. Um, she realised that I was getting quite stressed making the film. Every time I was planning for a filming day, and and as the filming day got nearer and nearer and nearer, I'd start to panic have i got everything organized um the last thing you want to do is to to look a right idiot turn up unprepared and not get very much shot at all um 
as the production went on, I was a lot more realistic with how much stuff we'd get shot on a particular day. I think towards the start of the production, I was planning loads more than um, we'd ever get done, not realising, well, actually, you know, things are a lot slower. Um, one, one of the things with the film is that, of course, in a post-apocalyptic world, there's not going to be any background noises there of cars, people, traffic, whatever. Um, so an awful lot of the film we had to shoot without audio because of the locations that we chose. There was a, um, a wooded location right behind Beacon HQ um, in the Parkgate area of Southampton in Hampshire, which is right next to the M27 motorway. It was a fantastic location, really convenient. meant we didn't have to waste loads of time travelling anywhere. But what it does mean, of course, is that we're going to have to record lots of what we call foley sound to add over the edit. Now, I haven't gone out and shot all that Foley sound yet, recorded that sound. Um, I'm hoping that an awful lot of the time will be used with um, Matt Hasker's soundtrack and it will limit the amount of Foley I need to go out and record. Um, But these are things that I'm going to be discovering over the next couple of months, no doubt, and will, again, influence exactly when the film's going to be ready for release. So that's, that's another thing I didn't think about when I wrote it, of course, you know, Next time I would write a horror film that perhaps is set in in the world as it is now um, so that I can shoot it with sound as I go on because that would make my life easier in the edit process. Yeah, it is a weird thing when it comes to audio, both in the sense of music and also in the sense of, as you've explained, there's a lot of random parts of disjointed. I mean, there was me and Megan were watching a cooking show last night on Netflix, and there were parts where the host or whatever would be speaking to the camera, and then it would like the camera would pan to the contestants and whatever. But you could hear that only slightly, but you could hear the change from where it went from in studio speaking to uh, voiceover. And that minor change, it was just because of obviously the type of mic used. If you're in a studio, there's no other sound, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's so weird that. That little thing bothered Megan a little bit. And she was like, every time it changed, she noticed it. And it's something that doesn't affect how good the show is. It's a cooking show, so it's quite simple and stuff. But like when you get into horror or some of the more serious genres and things, it is things like, you know, one thing that I've noticed is uh, sometimes when you get YouTube videos, especially older ones, you give your recording outside. And the problem is when any whenever someone speaks, the wind blows really loudly and you can't hear anything. And there's lots of weird little things like that, which are a massive pain where it's like, if you want any audio to sound real, a lot of the time, you know, yeah, you film in one location, but then you have to go record in a different location of just your own footsteps in a quiet little place. Because as you say, with noises for cars and all the other things, I mean, planes are going overhead, etc. It's just like this. There's so many. Ah, well, yes, we do need a plane um, to be uh, edited out of the film. Um, there's <laughs> going to be some masking uh, required. Well, yeah, I mean, it's things like that that people, when people watch films and things, if, if people watch a film and they finish it, they don't, from what I can tell usually, people don't consciously decide whether or not they like or dislike something when it's a movie or music or whatever. What normally happens is they have a, an immediate reaction to it and then they kind of work backwards to try and find out why they feel that way about it. And a lot of the times people watch films and they go, I really didn't like that film, why? And they can't figure it out. And then after a while they go, I think it was the editing. And then when you go back into that film and you know, that oh, maybe the editing's a bit crap, when you've kind of got that in your mind then you kind of go from there and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it is at this bit. But sometimes people won't like something and they won't even really know why. And I think audio is one of the big things of that where 
audio is such a weird thing where we we just are consuming audio all the time no matter where we are and people don't give it as much thought as i think normally would obviously you clearly have but there's a lot of people i think that don't realize how important audio can be in things where it's not the forerunner if you know what i'm saying oh absolutely um yeah we we as beacon productions a, a few of us um made a, a a short film earlier on this year um i can't remember for the life of me what it was called now but it was something that i was involved in as an executive producer and it was only like a, a five minute thing um and it was really good um but we we went to an event in portsmouth where uh it was a competition to decide that you know the best short film and um that they ranged in quality. Um, some were were clearly very good, uh, and others were were clearly very amateurish, particularly um, with regards to the sound. And sound is something that, like you've mentioned, you know, is integral to a film. Um, a lot of people were recording clearly on mobile phones and things like that. And of course, like you've pointed out, things like the wind really can mask what you're saying. Um, Sadly, there's a whole scene set in a school during day 66 where we were using a boom. It's inside, but uh, I think the audio chap that day was having a bad day and I'm not convinced it was switched on. Um, so the the sounds for that entire scene is through camera. Because it's inside, it's certainly not muffled and you can certainly hear what's being said, but the quality is sadly not very good um, for that scene. But I keep telling myself, this is an amateur film. These things happen. You just got to get on with it. I'm not going to cut it out just because the sound was bad. It's one of those things, you know, it it, it, it just shows you what type of film it is, doesn't it? You know, we're going to have a good day one day. We're going to have a bad day the next. Um, get over it, you know, <laughs> just... Wait, 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 wait for the gore to arrive and then you'll enjoy yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And sort of um, keeping in line with that a little bit, I know we're, we're getting nearer the sort of end, but I've still got a few things I want to talk to you about. And it's it's less so, more things about the film is, is great. I'm always happy to hear more stuff. But out of interest, with some of your other sort of passions and things, is there is your main sort of hobby to do with Beacon Productions or are there other stuff that you, you kind of like to do outside of work and, and family matters and things and in line with that as well is i was gonna ask more about movies and stuff too so is there other stuff that you like to get on with uh in a, in a sense that you have has hobbies and things and also what other films do you like apart from the zombie things that we tackled i'd like to hear some of your horror recommendations as well i've asked you about three questions in one there so <laughs> take your pick that's all right i think <laughs> Absolutely. Well, start starting with Beacon, um, I wouldn't describe it as my main hobby. It's, it's one that I very much enjoy, and I sort of dip in and out of it as and when I can. Um, I think where I've spent so much time on day 66, I'm probably keen to just sort of focus on the sh- social side of Beacon for a little bit as opposed to the filming side, with the exception of Cuckoo. But I need to fine-tune the, the script with regards to that at the moment. I've got a few other things going on in life at the moment, so I'm not in a rush to get that one done but um we'll 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 get there soon um my my passion in my spare time is watching films it always has been i am a massive movie buff um if if you follow my non-day 66 account on twitter you'll see i tend to post a review for every new film that i watch that's something that i've started doing in the last year or so and i quite enjoy doing it um we're what on the I don't want to give away the sort of dates and stuff if it doesn't tally up with what date you broadcast on you, the air. Am I right? Yeah, somebody? yeah, go ahead. 
So, so we're the fifth day of January at the moment. I've watched five films so far this year. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep to a, a film a day if I can. Um, I might watch another one tonight to get ahead of myself because I'm probably sleeping most of tomorrow because of my my um, my work. But uh, yeah, I'm massively into films. Always have been. Always will be. Love them. I have to admit though. Um, I got a Netflix uh, subscription about a year and a half or so ago, and I'm getting an awful lot more into my TV shows as well. Um, so I've been neglecting films a little bit over the last year in favour of some some quality TV shows. Things like The Crown. Oh, I love I'm The Crown. Really, I was surprised really how good that, that. was. I, my, Megan yeah, said I to me, be very good. I, I basically, with films, like I'm, I'm a massive movie buff as well, and me and Megan, we go through phases of watching loads of movies, like a different movie every day for like two, three weeks, and then we'll get on one series, and then we'll watch that series, and etc. The Crown was one of those shows where she was like, I think I got her to watch a lot of Star Wars stuff, because I'm really into Star Wars. And she was like, okay, almost an exchange, can we watch The Crown? And I was like, oh, so I don't care about the monarchy at all, but I'll give it a go. After the first episode, I was like, this is amazing. It's so well yeah. made. The, the production of it alone, the soundtrack, the act, oh, it is incredible. So yeah, I completely agree with that. That was a, a weird one that I love so much more than I thought I would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously going back a few years now, but Breaking Bad, mm. uh, what a show that was. I think that still yes. is my favourite TV show of all time. You know, Breaking Soul, the spin-off prequel to that, it's it, it pretty good. Um, I don't think it's quite at the same quality, but I, I still very much enjoy it. What other shows are there that I've watched recently? I'm trying to think. Ozark's a good one. Yeah. I, I quite enjoy that. You know, I'm worried as to how much life it's got left. I'm hoping they kind of wrap it up and keep it keep it good. Um, I think some shows can just drag on a little bit too long. Mm. More recently, I, I, I've noticed a lot of shows are going for sort of anywhere from 10 to 13 episodes a season rather than 22. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that because I think around the 22 mark is quite a slog of a season to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when that first came out. But as the series went on, I was finding it more and more of a slog to get through. And I personally, I think the quality dipped. So I'm not massively sort of knowledgeable on source material for comic books, but I love the MCU films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can always tell with TV shows uh, that I think it's probably just the money that they spend on it and perhaps the writing. It's just not up to the same quality as the uh, as, as the films. Um, the exception to that, I, I would like to say, is The Mandalorian. I thoroughly enjoyed both seasons of The Mandalorian. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And um, I know... Disney have announced a, a whole range of, of new Star Wars shows, haven't they? So I'd be really sort of interested to see what else they, they come up with. Mm. What is your film Twitter or your, your non day 66 Twitter? I'll make a note of that and then people can follow you on that too if desired. Uh, it's it's Triby, but it's, um, what is it? T R I B underscore E Y. Okay, no worries. Yeah, you, I, I, I stick uh, movie reviews on there, and and when I rewatch a film as well, I won't I won't stick a, a sort of a summary of every film I rewatch on there, but some 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 ones that I haven't seen in years that I I'd forgotten that were, you know really good, I, I'll, I'll stick a kind of a rewatch review on there if you like. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely I'll find that soon, and I'll share that as well, and I'll put that in the the show notes and things. But it is is with films and series and things like it, it, I think when 
like Sopranos kind of started it. It was like Sopranos, oh, Sopranos, yeah, yeah. Sopranos lost um, The Wire and Breaking Bad, and then I think Game of Thrones to a degree as well. I'm Walking Dead. They're, they're the kind of shows that I think they're the ones that flip the script on it being movies a big budget and series are small to kind of it being oh no, some of the best stories can be told in series because sometimes you need that time to flush out characters. And and I completely agree with you. I find. There was like there's the Marvel shows that are on Netflix, Luke Cage, Daredevil, that sort of thing, and I watched a fair amount of those. But there were the DC ones that were out, um, the Arrowverse, and the thing is, is the Marvel ones they were like 13 episodes, they're up to an hour or so uh, each episode, and that I can I can just about deal with. But when it's as you say, when there's 22 or 24 episodes, like there's Gotham that I used to watch, I really liked. But when you get 22 episodes, I say to people, if it's 22 to 24 episodes and they're 45 minutes each, that means that each season is 18 hours of your life. And it's like, as much as I love a lot of TV shows and things, it's like, sometimes when you want to go into a show and there's already like, you know, six seasons out, well, six times 18, well, that's like 108 odd hours of just one show. And it, so for me, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. And when they announced Mandalorian and things, and it's only eight episodes a season, some episodes like 30, 35 minutes, others are nearer the hour mark. But I just think that's so much easier to ingest, even like Game of Thrones. Ten episodes a season, generally, an hour long each episode, generally. That is, I'd, I'd rather have slightly longer episodes, but less of them, than a million episodes. Because as you say, it's just such a slog to get through sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I can't remember how long the Mandalorian episodes were. Any Anything from around 40 to 50 minutes, occasionally touching on an hour, were they? Something like that. Yeah. But, I'd, I'd much rather they be tighter and, and much more enjoyable than just dragged out for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand shows like that, 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 that just sort of just plod along, you know, uh, when I say that, you know, <laughs> better call Saul plodded along, but that did it in a stylish way. Um, you know, do you know what I mean? You know, it, it was deliberately drawn out for the purpose of what it was trying to achieve type thing. But, um, I have to admit, DC, I think, haven't quite got to grips with the Arrowverse stuff. I, I haven't watched Arrow, but I've watched, um, what is it? Uh, is it Le- Legends of Tomorrow? Or, yeah, Legends or, or League Whatever of. it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Supergirl, I started watching that. I, I gave up halfway <laughs> through the second season. For me, that it was just too many episodes and didn't quite engage me enough to make it worth my while i think there's so much content out there you've got to be quite um strict with yourself in what you take on Mm -hmm. and as it is i like to think i've i've got only got on the go programs that really really engage me but if i show you the list of those it's it's almost anxiety inducing just watching the list of stuff that i've got on the go (laughs) and i have to keep a list because i've got so many on the go i forget about them and I, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to be two seasons into a really good show and forget that I'm, you know, invested in it. Oh, so it's got to the point now where I do have to keep a list, and oh, that yeah. itself shows that I'm taking on too much, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and trying to find the time to then watch movies, which I'm really passionate about as well, and probably keep my marriage in check. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's really quite difficult. So um, yeah, there we are. But, yeah, um, I know exactly what you mean. I, though I'll find a way somehow. Yeah, it's one of those funny things, isn't it, with movies and and series and things where we're in this, we're in this strange time, especially you know lockdown, all that other jazz. It's one of those things where it's like, 
I'm very happy that we've got all this content and stuff. But for me, I've I've got my fingers in many pies. So, and obviously you are creative as well. So you've got that a similar sort of thing. But like, you know, I've got two podcasts and I've also, I'm a massive music lover as well as a massive podcast listener. But I'm also a big movie buff. I love playing video games. I watch a lot of series. I'm massively into Star Wars and the MCU and the DC movies, although they're not as great. I've been getting into reading comic books recently as well. And it's just like, I don't have enough time. And when there's a bajillion series that are out and every five five days someone messaged me and goes god you should watch this series it's incredible how many episodes is it 22 okay how many series are out four you're like i can't (laughs) i can't borrow that has to be the greatest show ever created ever and it's most of the time it's not when they're that long and i'm i agree with the dc shows and things like that but it is sometimes it's nice with movies because some of my friends are more into movies some into series etc i I do like the fact that when you watch a movie, it's stu- unless it's like you know part of the MCU or it's a part one or part two, or whatever. Generally speaking, in an evening when you start a movie, you finish it that evening. And I sometimes it's quite nice to just think, okay, for the next two hours, everything I watch is just going to be the next two hours. If I miss the odd detail, it's not going to screw up a whole massive storyline, you know, months down the line. And so it is one of those things where things are sort of shifting, but. I still love movies and what's happening at the moment with cinemas and stuff. Like, of interest, are you an individual who loves going to the cinema? Uh, yeah, I certainly used to uh, like go <laughs> to the cinema. Um, the I, I think in the last year, I, I've probably been once to see Tenet. Mm, um, I haven't seen that yet. Is that good? I loved it. Um, it's not his best film, but um, it's up there for me. Uh, the, the, the simple concept is so intricate. Um, even after the second viewing, you know, I'm still trying to just tie up a few pieces. But And people might think, well, if you can't comprehend the film after watching it once, you know, it's clearly not a good film. It hasn't sort of explained itself. And I totally understand and accept that point of view. But for me, even if you don't get Tenet, the, just the experience of watching it and the whole concept itself is just mind-blowingly amazing. And you can just enjoy it, even if you don't fully understand it. And I wouldn't say that about a lot of films, but mm. for me, Tenet is one of them that, that you can both not fully understand, but thoroughly enjoy. You know, I, I'm, I'm one for, you know, firmly believing everyone's entitled to their opinion on a film. I would never mock anyone's opinion. If, if you don't enjoy it, fair enough, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would recommend that one. I was gutted that I couldn't take the family to see the new Wonder Woman, though, um, because Cineworld, sadly, have closed their doors at the moment. And um, what we've moving into sort of quite restrictive tiers and now a, a complete national lockdown, um, I, I don't think we're going to be able to. So I'm hoping it will be streamable soon. Um, obviously, we don't have HBO Max in this country. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it will be streamable on uh, one of our services in the UK. Yeah, I'm hoping because with the HBO Max thing, because I heard about that in the year, because they were basically saying for this month or so, they're basically dropping every Warner Brothers film that's going to be out in 2021 in the over the space of a month, which includes, I think, June, Wonder Woman 84, I think the new Space Jam, Tom and Jerry, lots of random uh, bits and pieces. But it is like, we don't have HBO Max, as you clearly pointed out, but I, I, I hope that it'll be on Now TV because Now TV is mm-hmm. connected to Sky. And I'm quite fortunate because like me and Megan, she pays for Amazon Prime. I pay for Netflix. Her mum pays for Now TV, and we all share each other's accounts. And then me and Megan also have Disney Plus. So it's like we've basically got every streaming service. We don't even have. We even watch TV in in the the flat I'm living in with Megan. We we don't have a TV license. We never watch live TV. We don't watch anything on BBC iPlayer or anything because there's so much other content now and so many other streaming services. It's just like we've got mm. them all. But hopefully, 
Hopefully it'll come out on Now TV because a lot of the other HBO shows, uh, Game of Thrones, Chernobyl, that sort of thing, they air on Sky and then Now TV is just basically Sky. So I, I'm in the same boat with you with Wonder Woman 84 and things. I've been getting Megan into more things. Quite a classic. I'm, I'm going to watch with Megan later today and we'll just wrap up soon as well. Is um, I, I showed Megan into Stella the other day because I, I love Christopher Nolan. You know, Dark Knight trilogy, uh, Memento is a phenomenal film. Yeah. Inception's great. Interstellar's amazing. So I showed her Interstellar uh, a couple of days ago and I still think it's one of the most beautiful films probably visually ever. It's such an amazing film. And I was really excited to watch Tenet. But funnily enough, tonight I've managed to convince her we're going to be watching Spider-Man as in the Tobey Maguire one from the 2000s or so. Because she's not seen that. She's seen all the MCU movies, including the Tom Holland Spider-Man and stuff. But she hasn't seen Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and then Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I'm like, well, there's maybe going to be some sort of multiverse crossover thing that they're building up to in either Spider-Verse 2 or Tom Holland Spider-Man 3 or Venom 2, whatever ones they end up being. So I'm like, okay, you need to you need to learn your sub. You need to watch the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. You need to watch the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films. And then you can appreciate all the Tom Holland films as well. I said to show some of the really, really old ones. You know, the ones from like... Um, sort of 80s and 90s, not specifically Spider-Man, but you know, the really horrendous Marvel films that they're in like Lycra. <laughs> Some of those ones. Oh God, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think there's a Captain America, isn't there? Yeah. Um, from, I can't remember if it's late 80s or 90s, but I seem to remember that one being pretty awful. But <laughs> going back to what you're saying about watching, re-watching all the uh, original Spider-Man films, I think that's quite important because from the sounds of it, Spider-Man 3 is going to be quite the... Uh, the mix of things isn't it it sounds like everyone's going to be in that i'm 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 actually hoping that jack from day 66 might even be in it <laughs> that would be i mean i'll tell you what that would be a twist that i don't think anyone would well you know it, it, it seems like everyone's going to be in it well why not jack from day 66 as well I, I think we should push for this we'll do a petition we'll do a petition online we'll push absolutely for, for jack the greatest hero among men needs to be in <laughs> yeah. spider-man 3 <laughs> Too right. Oh, wonderful. Well, I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you, Russ. Uh, before we head out, what are the sort of last things that you'd like to say to people and uh, anything else you want to just kind of say before we hang this up? Any links, places people can find you, all that usual jazz, and then we'll, we'll hang this up. Yes, certainly. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank absolutely everyone for, well, first of all, listening to this podcast. It's been it's been great um, having this opportunity to do that. But second of all, the people that have been following Day 66 over the last couple of years. Um, I can't thank you enough for doing that. It really is appreciated. Um, you're all very passionate about all things horror, zombie, um, and, and clearly very keen to see the film. And that's lovely to hear gen- uh, genuinely. Um, also, the people that have given up their time for free to uh, get involved with the project, uh, from makeup artists to crew uh, to extras, um, the list goes on. Um, even even organisations like the Co-op for supplying all the food for the for the zombie horde day. Waitrose gave us some tea, coffee, biscuits, all that type of stuff. So I'm really grateful to all these people for um, for, for for their um, support um, and for what they've given us. Um, with regards to following us, you can do that on uh, Twitter. Uh, it's at day sixty six underscore movie please please you know retweet our content let's let's spread this far and wide uh, particularly with regards to things like our trailers let's get as many people watching them as possible that'd be fantastic uh, we are also on twitter uh, sorry well, i've said twitter we are also on facebook snapchat and instagram um which i believe is just day 66 movie 
we're on Discord now as well. Uh, it's a it's a fairly new thing. Um, I, I'll be completely honest, I can't remember the uh, the link to that one, but um, I've advertised it on our other social media. So if you want to join the conversation on Discord, you can do that. Go and check out one of our other social medias. We have a website as well, um, and the website is run by uh, Matt Hasker, who does the music for the film. Um, he has um, posted a link to the trailer on the website, which is www day66.uk um, but you can also subscribe to our youtube which can be found under triby media and subscribe to us for all the latest behind the scenes stuff and and other content as well i think that's probably it uh, mike with regards to the social medias and websites and things of course if you want to see what else beacon productions have have um, created over the years they have their own youtube channel as well just search beacon productions um, and they have a website as well, which I believe, top of my head, I could be wrong, is beaconproductions.co.uk, but you'll find it on Google anyway if you type Beacon Productions Amateur Filming Club Hampshire UK, something like that. It will come up. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I'll include links to all that sort of jazz in the show notes and whatnot, and I'll be sure to tag Day66 in the social media stuff so we can share and retweet and collaborate with each other and all that sort of other jazz and things. And yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you, Russ. Thank you so much for taking your time out the evening to speak with me. Thank you for having me, Megan, as extras, because that was a, an amazing day out. Um, it was It was a lot of fun. I've done a little bit of zombie work before you know people go on the zombie walks and you kind of chase them and stuff like that but that that zombie day was was really really cool so thank you for letting me be a part of that thank you for coming on the show and things and yeah when day 66 is released i'll be sharing on all my social media i'll be doing it a lot and i'm going to be pushing it on all my friends too and i'll be sharing the trailer and that stuff as well so i just want to say thank you for spending your time thank you for being an awesome content creator and things and yeah i can't wait to see what day 66 the finished product is as well as everything else you've got coming out in the future no problem at all. Thanks for having us, Mike. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. So coming up, I've got a podcast due for recording next week with a band that I recently got into who are really, really good. I'm not going to spoil who they are just in case, you know, it doesn't go ahead, but it should all be going ahead fine. Um, I've also got quite a few collaborations with other members of the Comics Emotion family, which is where my other podcast is, and also quite a few things in the books where I'm trying not to make things too busy for myself immediately in 2021 uh, so I'm not sort of drowning in podcasts and then I've got weeks and weeks and weeks of backlog so I'm trying to kind of play it by month but I've got quite a few things planned but there's not a huge amount I can specifically talk about as of yet except I have been doing with uh, myself Megan we've both been going on the 20th Century Geek podcast to do a Batman retrospective so I've been looking through all of the Batman films uh, well Batman 66 the four sort of Burton verse ones from the late 80s and 90s and the Dark Knight trilogy. We've recorded two of the parts thus far, We're recording the third part in a couple weeks' time, and I believe in January, so in this month, at some point the first part will drop there. So make sure you check out that, but when that actually does drop, I'll be sure to include links in the show notes and I will mention it and stuff. In addition to that, some of the other stuff that I've been um, involved with has been to do with my Star Wars podcast. Now, my Star Wars podcast is called Star Wars Comics in Canon. It is found on the feed of Comics in Motion. And Comics in Motion, I've done collaborations with those guys for quite a while over the, the sort of last few years of podcasting. And now, every day of the week, relatively speaking, there's a new podcast show so there's ones about indie comics which tony freena hosts there's a what's the topic show which is sort of a discussion show there's superheroes for dummies there's all kinds of different ones for basically any realm of comics that you are interested in classic comics new age the big two you know marvel and dc anything like that movie tie-ins and etc 
anything to do with comic book movies or generally nerdy stuff you can find on comics in motion it's really really good and the family we've got there is incredible and it's just it's basically it's top tier now so that's what my star wars podcast airs and the newest episode is up now and i tackle the age of republic comics for anakin skywalker padme amidala mace windu and then rex as well as jar jar binks they're all set around the clone wars so if you like the clone wars series it's probably worth checking that out and in my podcast i basically just go through the comics i explain some of the narratives connect the dots to other sort of star wars content that's in the canon i also go into detail about certain species and things just at certain points as well i've also done a book review um when i interviewed claudia gray towards the end of 2020 i put that interview on that show feed as well just because it was star wars related and i've also got a couple of other people involved with star wars who i'm hoping to have on over the next few months or so one of them's kind of already in the pipeline and the other one is just kind of waiting for the green light as well so very excited about that but yeah i obviously love star wars hence why i started a star wars podcast but whether you have been watching just the mandalorian recently or if you've been into all the films and all the series whatever it's good for anyone if you've never really watched any star wars apart from the original trilogy you could still get along with my podcast each episode is slightly different so it kind of just depends what you sort of fancy and in addition if you guys really want people to talk about the mandalorian quite a lot and we did a special on the feed of comics in motion it was under the banner of star wars comics in canon and each week we basically did a discussion on the mandalorian episodes it was a lot of fun to do um i was on a three or four of them and then three um, scott weatherly of the 20th century geek and then chris and dave of comics in motion were on the other episodes too so if you fancy that and you want little nuggets of information that i bring in which basically kind of connects the dots to certain bits and pieces in the canon and a little bit about legends and stuff so if there's anything that you kind of watch the mandalorian and you're like oh who was that character or what was this mentioned for and you don't really want to go online and have to research loads of stuff check out those specials because we've got you covered Anyway, that's more or less it from me, guys. As I said, I hope you've had a pleasant end to 2020, and I know that 2021 has been quite mental, especially for you guys over in the States and things, but hopefully you and your immediate circle and your close friends and family and things, I hope that you guys are all doing okay. But you can always contact me on social media. I am at Genuine Chits Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And yeah, reach out, speak to me. You can email me as well. All the details in the show notes and all the guest spots I've been doing recently are in the show notes of this podcast as well. So lots of stuff to get your teeth into if you need some more podcasting content or you can just contact me and ask. But yeah, thanks as always for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you next week.